Hello, Oma and Konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Breland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast out there fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, we're talking about those fighting on the upcoming prelims of UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC 242 live from Abu Dhabi. We got Habib Nurmagomedov versus Dustin Poirier. But of course, if you're a fan of this show, you know we're not talking about that fight. We won't be talking about any of the fights on the main card. In fact, this is a prelim only show. And now you're probably asking yourself, if you are new to the show, why only talk about the prelims? Why not talk about the main card? The answer is really simple. You you guys know a lot of the people on the main card, especially this weekend, a big pay-per-view card like this one. But you probably don't know a ton of people on the prelim card. And that's where we're here to help because we think the value in gambling and some of the value in daily fantasy sports lies right here in prelims. So we're going to help you out with the prelims. We're going to help you out with those picks. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, we want to let you know that this show is exclusively brought to you by BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is completely changing the way we play MMA daily fantasy sports. Their contests don't ask you to deal with salary caps. Their contests don't score by like arbitrary point systems that rely on counting the number of, you know, leg kicks and jabs. Instead, they just ask you to pick five winners, the rounds in which they win, and the method in which they win. And then you watch your points rack up, and you win by actually knowing things about MMA, not getting lucky with weird things like leg kicks. And if you're still not convinced, they're going to give you your first free contest for a $25 Amazon gift card by going to the site right now, signing up, and using the promo code PRELIM14. That's prelim one four for a free contest. Head on over there and make your picks today. And to help you out with those picks over on BSMMA.com, I have enlisted the help of another savvy co-host joining me today from Cage Side Press. I have Sean Bitter. Sean, thank you so much for joining me and breaking down these prelims. Well, thanks for having me again. And I'm a little under the weather today, so I apologize for the process. Oh, I'm sure it's absolutely fine. So let's get right into round one. Uh, as you guys know at home, we put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start round one with talking about the top of one of the divisions in the UFC. The UFC women's flyweight division has Joanne Calderwood versus Angela Lee. Calderwood, 3-1 and one since she's moved to flyweight. Her only loss is a recent decision loss to Caitlin Chokagian. She's fighting Angela Lee, who's 3-0 and oh in the UFC at flyweight. She's got decisions over Montana De La Rosa, Ashley Evans-Smith, and Veronica Macedo. So... My question here is about Calderwood. Since her move to Syndicate MMA, she's been really nice on the ground, which is kind of surprising because she came up as a Muay Thai type. Lee seems hard to get down, though. Do we see any mat time in this fight? I think so. I think she. I think if uh, they go to the mat, Calderwood is more technically sound everywhere, and I believe she's a stronger fighter. But I do think Lee will be the aggressor to try to get it to the ground. You think Lee wants to go to the ground with Calderwood having seen all that? Because so, I think her striking is actually pretty sound, too. Yeah, I agree. She has more. She has the output advantage. and But I don't know. I, I feel like she tried to go to the back at least one point in the fight. Yeah, maybe as like a round stealer towards the end. I, I also just see like plenty of parallels between her and Chokagian. She certainly does more damage. But like you said, with the output... She she's won three decisions for a reason. She puts out a lot of output, doesn't do a ton of damage, but then yeah, maybe she'll steal some rounds with the wrestling late. Yeah, Carter would just look good since moving to 125, and Lee's looked solid in the UFC thus far. I just see myself leaning JoJo because she's fought the higher level of competition. She's fought, and the three Lee's beat don't really 
stand out to me. Yeah, I, I like Montana De La Rosa, but you're right. The striking advantage was so clear for Lee in that fight that, like, it was a little one-sided. But I, I, I think I'm with you on this one. I, I think I saw Calderwood coming out as an underdog on this one, too. Calderwood by submission is real interesting to me from a betting perspective. I, I think I'm going to take Calderwood by submission as my official pick. How about you? I'll go Calderwood decision. All right, so there you have it with the first one. We agree on an underdog here, and we're going to move on to another fight, which is Zach Cummins versus Omari Akhmedov. So Cummins is 2-0 since moving to middleweight. Uh, he most recently picked up a win uh, by guillotine over Tevin Giles. Akhmedov is 1-0-1 since coming back to middleweight. He went down to welterweight for a little while. He drew with Marvin Vittori and then beat uh, Tim Bosch. So Cummings has said publicly in a couple of interviews that he is prepared to go in there and throw hands with Omari Akhmedov. Is that a fight he can win? This is, in one of my opinions, the toughest fight to call. Omari is a solid wrestler, but he's more willing to brawl at times, and that's a worry against Zach because... He has all the tools to outwork the Russian on the feet. I'm leaning Amari because I feel his pressure in wrestling, if he uses it, will be too much for Cummins. So that that's interesting to me, too, because I, I when I was looking at film for this fight, I, I thought Cummins had the submission advantage in this one. He's got 12 submission wins, which I think a lot of people forget. I mean, he's an 8-3 and three fighter in the UFC and undefeated at middleweight. I, I really think if Akhmedov comes in and tries to grapple... He's making a mistake here because I think Cummins could catch him, and I think he does have a marked striking advantage here. So I, I'm actually leading Cummins, but because I think Cummins wins the grappling match. The thing is, Amari does slow down significantly too. Mm-hmm. So in the third round, it could get sticky for him. Yeah, and although I have seen it a little bit better at middleweight, I, I'm going to go with my official pick on this one. I, I'm going to go with Cummins, and I'm going to go Cummins by submission. I think he catches him. How about you? I'm going to go with Mari. I think he'll at least get two of the three rounds, go to a decision. All right. Well, we do have time to squeeze one more in here. So I'm going to go down the list a little bit and squeeze one in that we don't maybe have a ton to talk about. And that's Liana Joja versus uh, Sarah Morris. Uh, Joja making her UFC debut. She's 7-2. and two. She's only 24 years old. She's won four of her last fights by submission, including a heel hook. Morris is 1-4 in, in the UFC. She's lost three in a row. Morris, she's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, but maybe not as much so when you look at MMA. Is she being brought in here to sort of be like the sacrificial lamb for the new up-and-comer? It really looks like that way. On the feet is where JoJo shows shows her weakness as her footwork is flat and she's easily hit. On the mat, either on top or off her back is where she wants to be. Her wrestling could use some work, but once she gets the clinch, she does a great job throwing in knees, using trips. Her jiu-jitsu is fantastic, and her submission game is strong with five submission wins. Yeah, and I think, too, this is the the ideal opponent to, to line her up with to start. Uh, I'm going I, – I think her wrestling, even though, like you said, it, it does leave something to be desired – I think she gets her down, and once she gets her down, it's pretty much over. So I'm going to go with Georgia. I'm going to say early submission here. Yeah, Sarah does have the more UFC experience, but more so she's been the nailed in the hammer. So I think JoJo gets it done by submission. All right. Well, there you have it with the first round. We squeaked an extra one in there. So we'll get back with the second round after a quick message from our sponsor. Look, my favorite part about playing daily fantasy sports is is having my buddies around and showing them that I know more than them, right? That's why BSMMA.com has the 
create your own contest option. Their create your own contest option makes the game fully customizable. You can pick the number of people you want. Maybe you got a ton of people over your house watching the, the fights. You want them all involved. Get them all in on there. Maybe you just want to challenge that one guy. You want to make this a head-to-head -head battle. You can make it a head-to-head -head contest. You can change the stakes. You can change the payout structure. There's all kinds of customizable options. Head on over to bsmma.com and start your contest today. Now, back to round two. And we are back with the second round. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Bilal Muhammad versus Takashi Saito. So, Bilal Muhammad, 5-1 in his last six fights. He most recently beat Curtis Miller. He His only loss in that span is to Jeff Neal. Certainly no, nothing to, uh, to be too upset about there. Saito, only 1-0 in the UFC. He just barely made his debut, but a vicious TKO victory over Killer B, Ben Saunders. Muhammad isn't really the type of person to put people away. Tons of decisions on his record. Does he have enough skill to stay away from that massive power of Saito for 15 minutes? Saito was a solid prospect coming into the UFC, but despite his finish, I was a bit disappointed with his performance, to be honest. He came out too slow against Saunders, got buckled, and I say lost the first round. Muhammad has really came into his own against higher-level competition. Yeah, I agree with you on that one, too. I think the level of competition for Muhammad is clear. I sort of write off some of that stuff you said about Saito as, like, a little bit of octagon jitters. Because, you know, he was going in there against a guy who's fought, I mean, how many times has Ben Saunders fought in the UFC? A hundred times? So he's going in there with a wily veteran. He's young. He's a promising prospect. I, I, I sort of hear what you say about Bilal being smart here and being able to outwork him. But I just do wonder, does Saito have powered late enough to be able to catch him, or does he have to catch him early? Probably early. Saito relies on his jab and power, but his tendency to throw one strike at a time makes me more confident in the more technical Muhammad. Muhammad has more ways to win, as the takedown defense of Saito isn't too great. The law has taken shots from tough guys, including Jeff Neal, so I expect him to get this. Yeah, I, I sort of th agree with what you think, too. I sort of slapped on Bilal Muhammad's grappling game for a little while, especially the takedowns to steal rounds or to catch his breath. So uh, I guess I'm going to lean with you. I'm going to go Bilal Muhammad by decision. How about you? I'll say decision, but he could find a light to this, you know, TKO stoppage. All right, there you have it. On the next one, we're going to go look at Nordin Taleb versus Muslim Selkov. Uh, Nordin Taleb, he's only 2-2 two two in his last four. He most recently beat Kyle Propolek. Uh, by decision back in May, Solikov's one and one in the UFC. He most recently KO'd Ricky Rainey. I, I think, you know, like maybe two years ago, people were so high on Nordin Taleb as like a, a possible killer in welterweight, but he sort of not looked himself in the last three, including maybe he missed weight in one of those. Do you think his size is, is holding him back here at welterweight? Probably. Muslim is the type of fighter who needs to stay at range, who is a master of spinning attacks, where his shot selection shows. That all goes away once his opponent closes the distance, as shown in his fight with Alex Garzera, Garcia, where Garcia grounded him pretty easily. Taleb has been around for a while and has seen everything you can in the cage. And like you said, he, he has a big, you know, he's a bigger guy. He has a five inch high advantage and five and a half inch reach advantage. Yeah, so you think that that will probably shut down the spinning attacks of Salikov? Because you're, you're right, he's so big, he does get in your space. 
I think it might be hard for Salikov to really believe in that like spinning back fist he loves. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, his beating Ricky Rainey don't help me picking him in this fight as much as I like watching him fight. I think Slave is just a you know smarter fighter, stronger fighter, get this fight grounded. Yeah, and and especially with the the experience, I, I think I'm gonna go by Taleb by decision here. I don't love his chances to be able to get Salikov out of there. So how, how about you? I agree. All right. Well, there you have it. That's the end of round two. We're going to put another five minutes on the clock for round three. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. So we already talked about how BSMMA.com simplified things. Five winners, five rounds, five methods. That's all you got to pick. And if you've been listening to the show, we may have given you a couple of winners and probably the methods in which they're going to win. So, the other thing you can do to prove that you really know about these fighters is you can add bonuses to them. So their bonus structure is really interesting. It's really unique. You're going to want to check it out. They've got different bonuses. For instance, let, let me tell you about the Cinderella bonus. If you think your fighter can get the fight ended in two minutes or less, you're going to pick up a bunch of extra points just by tagging on that bonus. Maybe you know that that guy's you know an absolute killer. Hint, there might be one of them we talk about in the third round. So check out your fighters. Check out your bonuses. And make sure that you are knowledgeable about all aspects of BSMMA.com. Now, back to the show. And we are back with round three. We got three more fights to talk about, each of them with a debuting fighter. But before we get to any of those, of course, I have to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Zubira Tukugov versus Larone Murphy. So Tukugov... 3-1 and one in the UFC with only a split decision loss to Hanato Moicano. But that was three years ago, and that was his last fight. Uh, Murphy, he's making his UFC debut. He's 8-0 with five KOs. You know, Tugov had time away for the USADA suspension. Then he had time away for the, the brawl suspension. Does all this time off worry you about him? Absolutely. Murphy is so- Murphy's a good prospect. He's solid on the feet. Who has mixed arsenal in his hands and legs. He does a great job throwing punches and kicks together in combinations. He's at his best when he mixes in takedowns as well. And that's the recipe for a good prospect. Yeah, and, and here's the question, though. So you're right. He, he does throw in some good wrestling there. But but my sort of question when it comes to somebody like Lerone Murphy is that, like, he's got great kickboxing. He likes to mix all that stuff in. Is there any way he can mix it in against a guy like Takugov, though? Uh, the Russians defended all of his takedowns, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure, but I don't, I'm still landing Murphy in this fight. He he has a lot of momentum. Uh, the Russian hasn't fought in a long time. He's coming off a loss. I also think you can draw a lot of similarities between Murphy and Moicano as far as fighting style goes, especially in the striking. Like, they both use leg kicks pretty well. They're hyper-aggressive. Like, I'm... I think I'm I'm leaning with you too, man. I think I'm gonna take Murphy, and I think he can knock him out. How about you? Either early knockout or maybe a decision. All right. Well, there you have that one. Let's move on to the next one. We got Don Madge versus Ferris Zaim. Uh, Madge one and zero in the UFC. Uh, he just recently finished Tay Edwards. Uh, he'll be fighting Ferris Zaim, who's making his UFC debut ten and two. He's only twenty two years old. He's got a notable win on his record, but uh, he beat Abner Yovaris, uh, who's a Bellator veteran and a pretty pretty legit fighter do you know anything about zaim that would make us favor him against madge here 
Zayim is a K1 European champion kickboxer, has had over 20 kickboxing bouts, and he's fought, I just think, one bout for glory, which I think went to a draw. And, but being a kickboxer, his takedown's going, takedown defense is going to be tested once he gets to the UFC. And the Frenchman has struggled with that against lesser competition. So if Mage, I still, I think Mage can beat him on the feet. I think he's more aggressive. And he's maybe the faster fighter, but I think Mage could take him down and ground it pretty darn easily. Yeah, I, I think what you said about the fact that you think Mage could could possibly beat him on the feet says all you need to know, right? Because like. If he could possibly beat him on the feet, he will beat him on the ground as well. I think this is one-sided. I think Madge gets the TKO finish, too, on the ground. How about you? I agree. All right, and that brings us to our very last fight, which is Ottoman Aziatar versus Temu Pakalin. So Aziatar making his UFC debut 11-0, three straight finishes, and overall 10 of his 11 fights have been finishes. Pakalin is 1-2 in the UFC. He beat Thibaut Gowdy but lost to Mark Diacasey in his last bout in just 30 seconds by KO. Uh, here's my question. Pakalin has had trouble with people who have high level of pressure. Is there any chance he deals with the pressure of Isaiatar here? Yeah, like you said, Ahmed is a wild man. Always staying <laughs> on the gas, looking to end the fight as soon as possible. He has heavy hands, but with that said, he does like to technique being too aggressive. You can say Pakalin is someone I've personally never been too impressed with. He's also coming off a bad knockout loss to Dia Casey and has been out for two and a half years due to injuries. I'm picking Ottoman because I think his upside is better, and ultimately I think the pressure could overwhelm Pacquiao. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you mentioned that he's an absolute wild man. If, if people out there haven't been watching the organization Brave CF uh, out of the Middle East, and they've had some shows in London and stuff like that too. If you haven't been watching it, there's a bunch of crazy good prospects here, and he is one of their champs. He, he's had an absolute stellar run as part of Brave, and, and he's so fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, I, I've got him by an early KO here as well against Pacquiao, and I think it's going to be a fucking really fun one to watch as well. So that's going to do it for all five rounds, all eight prelim fights. We thank you guys so much for listening. I want to thank my co-host here, Sean Vitter. Sean, thanks so much for joining me, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. 